0: Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way.
1: Amen. Well, let's, let's encourage these folks one more time. Thank you, guys. Great to have visitors. Uh, Uh, I told told them we're going to do everything we can to steal them away and and be a permanent fixture here, but I I know their church would be very sad about that, but God bless you guys. Bring greetings from our church back to your church. Thank you for for sharing. I tell them thank you for sharing you with us. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for coming. We weren't really sure who was going to come on Christmas Sunday. When was the last time this happened? Oh, oh, yeah, seven years ago. But still, still it's, it's kind of an unusual thing, is it? On Christmas Sunday, we're supposed to be in our jammies eating delicious, like, warm, homemade uh, uh, cinnamon buns and, and, and opening presents or, or talking to kids over, over Zoom somewhere else where they're opening presents. Whatever, whatever you do on Christmas, it's not usual that we're here in church. And kind of, if I had my way, we'd sit in a big circle, kind of hug each other with a hot... Hot chocolate in our hands and throwing in all the marshmallows we want because no one cares. It's Christmas. If you want more, we'll give you more. Just keep throwing them in there and just tell stories about how good that first Christmas is, how good that Christmas today can be in our lives. What a wonderful time we had last night talking about all that Jesus is, not only 2,000 years ago, but is today. We don't want to miss him. This morning, I want to dig into that story. In fact, I asked Pastor Phil if we could show that little bumper video one more time. I I just love the song and I love the message. I love the question, what's your focus? All Advent long, oh wow, look at our little candle. Remember we've been waiting for that white candle. That, That means Jesus is born. Jesus is here. We celebrate his birth. That is the best news ever, period. Amen. So this morning as we talk about that question, what's your focus, we're going to do a little recap of some of the folks we've looked at up to this point and then introduce a new character we haven't talked about this year. I think it's the best character next to Jesus, but we'll talk about that character in just a minute. But let's do a little bit of recap so we kind of get our minds back into what we're talking about. What's your focus? You remember in these last weeks we talked about some folks that had, had a completely wrong focus heading with all of their might in the wrong direction. Then we had other folks It started out with the wrong focus, but God and his spirit, the angels, and all that was Christmas moved them to the right focus, and, and the rest were somewhere in between. So let's, let's start looking at some of those folks and understanding what their focus was, and then the best comes at the end when we find that character who had the right focus right from the beginning. We're going to start with Zechariah. Now, he's the one we started with, and he's kind of a tricky fellow. He did everything right, looked right on the outside, but there was a problem even with his focus. Let's dig into his life a little bit. You remember we read the passage. We won't take the time to do that now. But, but he was a guy who started out well. He and both his wife, Elizabeth, came from great families. A great religious families. They were raised to love God, raised to know God. In fact, he even became a priest and grew up learning how to tell others about God. The Bible even said they were, he was righteous. The Bible even says he and his wife were blameless in regards to the law. These were good people. These were righteous people. He grew up And was living exactly the way God had wanted him to live. Not only that, he was a priest. From the outside, everything looked great. But on the inside, there was a problem. Something had shifted. Something was missing. Yes, he was living as a righteous person. That means in right relationship with God. He didn't drink and he didn't chew and he didn't go with girls that do. He was doing the right things, but something was missing. He was blameless, the Bible says, and that meant, we talked about it before, that meant to live according to the law. As far as the law was concerned, he was right on, but something was missing. I think it was that sense of awe, that sense of wonder, that sense of of expectancy, expecting even a miracle of God, that sense of of knowing that, that this crazy, having this crazy blind faith, that fire in his heart that says, I read it in God's word, and so I believe it will happen somewhere along the way in his decades of growth Decades of maturity, decades of service, he had lost that fire, that passion that he had as a new believer in God. And it was showing. His spiritual senses had so cooled that by the time God comes and encounters, he has this personal encounter with God to tell him that finally, after all of the years of praying for him and Elizabeth, his prayer had been answered in worship at the altar. And living live and in color, God comes and meets him. And the only response he can give to God saying through the angel, your answer has been, your prayer has been answered. The only response he can give is, yeah, prove it. Something changed. Something softened. Something wasn't there that used to be there he has become hardened, he has become cynical, he has become maybe weary of waiting. And so the angel's response is very simply this, okay, you want proof that all of this that I have just prophesied over you, over Elizabeth, and over the son that is to come, I want you to wait and to watch as each one of these prophecies is fulfilled. And to help you pay attention, I'm going to take away your voice. And for months and months and months, he loses his voice have you ever heard of a preacher that can't talk? That must be the worst thing ever. And he loses voice. Why? Well, maybe, maybe God didn't want him to dig himself any deeper. Maybe God didn't want him to spreading this kind of negativity around his family and his little congregation. Maybe, maybe God wanted him to be able to focus only on what God is doing and not what he is saying. Folks, at this Christmas time, if your focus is on anything else but on the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and and, and the answered prayers and the unanswered prayers, the expectations you have and the unmet expectations that you have, if anything else is clouding or diminishing or cooling that fire, that passion that you once had, That is not what God wants. God is calling you to do what, as you know, the rest of the story with with Zechariah, to rekindle that fire, take that step of faith and trust in him, and your mouth will be opened, your heart will be opened, your spirit will be opened as it was for Zechariah. And there's another character. Now, we know this one's all bad from beginning All the way to the end, of course, I'm talking about old King Herod, Herod the Great. Each one of these characters looked at Jesus, and their focus was different. For for, for Zechariah, his focus, Jesus, is tradition. For, for, For Herod, Jesus would be competition. Jesus is saying, I am the king, I'm entering the world as king. And Herod says, I already have a king. We don't need a king, neither I nor my people. I am large and I am in charge. I am Herod the Great. In fact, the Senate has just named me the king of the Jews. We don't need another king of the Jews. He didn't want or he didn't need another king in his life or in his kingdom. He loved power. He loved titles. He loved attention and position and, and anything else he can get his hands on. He didn't yeah, Anything he needed to do, he would do to get that power, whether it was creating, you remember the story, he created palaces and theaters and, and fortresses. He even redid the temple of Jerusalem. Anything he could do to gain that power, and then he would do anything he had to do to maintain that power. You remember the story of all the folks he killed, not only family members, cousins and, and uncles, and even three of his own boys. He even killed one of the priests because he dared to speak up against him. He had no problem taking anyone out, who would try to steal any of his power. The spirit of Herod is alive today. The spirit of, I'm large, and I'm in charge of my own life. I decide where I go, what I do, who I believe, and who calls the shots in my life. That is alive and well today. Maybe you haven't crossed the, lo- the lines that Herod crossed in his life, but maybe you are willing to go to great lengths even sinful links to maintain your control, the control of your own life. Here's a great idea for you. The perfect birthday present for Jesus. What if this year at Christmas you returned the throne of your life back to Jesus. Said, Jesus, I want you to be in charge. I have been ruling my own life, calling my own shots, making the decisions myself, and today I return that throne to you. That would be the perfect present for Jesus' birthday. And then third, we talked about the shepherds. You remember them? They, they started out a little rough, but God sure turned it around with them. In, in, in our nation today, our Christian nation, as it is often called, built on biblical principles 200 years ago, did you know that almost, almost one out of every three Americans has walked away from the church? In, in, in filling out census reports, almost one out of three now claims that they are unrelated to any kind of religion or religious institution at all. One, almost one out of three is heading that way. Probably by next year's Christmas sermon, it will be one out of three. Life is too full, they say. 68% of those that said we've walked away from church, walked away from religion. 68%, almost, just over two thirds, they still believe in God. They haven't walked away from God, they've walked away from this, from church or temple, or whatever they call it, they've walked away from organized religion. They have walked away from something that takes valuable time, away from life is too full, choices have to be made, something has to go. Church attendance, Bible reading, prayer have all been pushed out because there's just not enough room in the calendar. These shepherds, they were in the same boat. Their lives were so full. Their their hours were crazy. They never came to rest. And when they did, it wasn't during the appropriate times for community worship. They weren't a part of the religious community of faith because they were out in the woods. They had no time. They had no availability. They had no proper clothing or even hygiene. Their reputation was a little sketchy. And their connection to the church, to the temple, to the people of God was almost non-existent. So it was just easier to, uh, to stay away. And they did. And folks today are staying away in droves. But these shepherds were confronted. They were confronted by a powerful message, the most powerful message that had ever been given to mankind. It was, they were confronted with the powerful message by a, by a, uh, a credible witness, and it changed everything everything in their lives. You remember the message, born this day in the city of David, a savior who is to be your Lord. Born this day, that means today, for you today. Not, not tomorrow when you get your life together. Tomorrow when things kind of settle down at home. Tomorrow when you get the kids out of the house, you move into retirement, you have a little more margin in your schedule. Today, he is born for you Today. In the city of David, that's, that's where they were. In your hometown, Jesus has your number. <laughs> Jesus knows where you live. The Bible says he stands at the door and knocks on your door. Not, not, not folks out there or, or all the folks in the city or all the folks in the country. You personally, Jesus came for you. Savior. Savior from what? I'm, I'm doing fine, God. What, what do I need saving from? God says you need saving from yourself. Your own sin, your own shame, the decisions that you've made, the mistakes that you've made. The Bible says this word savior is a word for deliverer. That means to deliver from destruction or that which would devour you. You ever felt that way? things you've gotten yourself into, the the activities, the the thoughts, the the, the lifestyle that you've gotten yourself into, if it is not destroying you, it is slowly devouring you. And Jesus says, I will save you from that and that he is to be your Lord. He is not your co-pilot we talked about. He is your pilot or he is nothing. He takes control and leads you into the life he has for you. This message. Is still saving folks from a life of despair and drudgery today. Who do you need to share that message with in your world, in your family, in your neighborhood? All right, that was kind of what we talked about all during the Advent season. Let's get to my favorite character besides Jesus in the Christmas story. And of course, I'm talking about Jesus' mommy. We're talking about Mary Mary, uh, right there in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 49, and I have left my phone in my Bible right there. Mr. Jimmy, would you hand me that, please, sir? The phone is black. It looks like every other, every other phone. Sure appreciate that, Jimmy. That's a good helper. All right. Sorry, y'all. Luke chapter 1, verse 46 says it this way. Okay. I did. I had it all open. All right. So what? Apparently, my phone went on holiday as well. All right. Luke one forty six through forty nine says this. Mary's song, and Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Let's just look at, uh, real quickly at, at that story, that song. Mary burst into song at the hearing of God's will for her life, and this is what came out as little pregnant, almost pregnant teenage girl. This is what God is doing in her life and I believe what God wants to do in our life as well. For Mary, as she looks at her focus, for her, Jesus is not not a tradition. Jesus is not competition. Jesus is not just one more add-on to my life, like for the shepherds and folks that are so filled up with life and the busyness of life. For her, Jesus was the savior of the world that was given for her personally. This is who Jesus is. The first, very first words is, she says, and my soul magnifies the Lord. That's an excellent word. In the Greek, you know this word. This is one of those Greek words you've already heard, mega. God is made, uh, Jesus made mega in her life because of this experience she had to make God mega, to mega-size, supersize God in your life. Now, here's the deal. God doesn't need your help to be mega-sized. He is mega, 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 whether you believe it or not. He's already that. But here's what he's saying here, and this is what Mary is saying. I have made God mega in my life. Now how do you do that? Well, something's got to go. You start to heart. Pushing stuff out. We saw very clearly here what a young family looks like. This is exactly what Mary and Joseph were about to step into. A young couple has all the time in the world for each other, and the googly eyes and the and the quiet romantic evenings until that little baby bursts onto the scene. You know exactly what happens in besides all of the joy and the happiness and the cuddly moments with that cute little baby face. There's also the space that has to be made, the nursery that has to be prepared, the hours of sleep that you lose at night, the weekend plans that have to be canceled or changed, the budget that has to be tightened to make room for that baby. That's what human families do when they make room for a new baby. However, in God's economy of things, when we, when we make God great in our lives, it's very different. When we make God great or mega in our lives, we give him everything, our schedule, Our budget, not only the baby room, but every room in our apartment or in our house. We give God everything, and then he takes that, and he manages that. He shows us his perfect plan for accomplishing all that he has for us and for our family with the time, with the resources that he has given us. That's how it works for God, and he's calling us to do that. I believe that's exactly what Mary did. Second of all, the Bible says, that uh, God was mindful of her humble state. That's another good word. A word mindful of is, is, is a really close looking at, a, a preferential looking at. In fact, in the medical terms, it's kind of a medical word. It means to have a, an in-depth examination of. So what is, he, what is she saying out loud, spontaneously filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking these words that, that resonate in our hearts 2,000 years later? Here's what she's saying. She's saying, God knew me, and he chose me anyways. God looked as deeply as any human doctor or spiritual doctor could look into her heart, into her life, into her mind, into her past, into her habits, and he chose her anyway. That's the kind of God you have. Where do you find that? Maybe, maybe in your spouse maybe maybe to some extent from your own mother but outside of that where and here's the deal your spouse or your mommy they don't know everything god does and he chooses you anyways this is what caused her to burst into song because of how good God was for her. She was young. She was very young. She was untrained. She was unknown. She was untested. And yet God chose her for this incredible task, raising his own son. God chose her not because of of who she is, obviously, but because of who she would become. That's what God sees in you. She demonstrated the ability or the willingness to magnify the Lord with her own life and She never forgot where she came from. This is Mary, this 16-year-old girl. God loves teenagers, by the way. Let me just say that out loud. God loves teenagers. The potential that he sees in a young girl, a young guy, is phenomenal. Live up to it. And thirdly, the Bible says, uh, Mary says, excuse me, she says at the very end, and from now on, get this, from now on, all generations will cause me, call me blessed. Hold on there, girly. <laughs> Slow down. Sounds a little bit, a little bit, remember the word we taught you from the Caribbean? A little bit braggadocious, right? From now on, everywhere I go, folks will call me blessed. What does that mean? Be, because God chose her, that must make her special. Because the task that she has at home or at church or standing up in front of folks, that makes her something special? Because of all that she's done, all that she's accomplished, all that she will accomplish for God, that makes her something special? Is that, is that what little 16-year-old Mary is saying? No, obviously not. The word blessed is that word makoriai. It means happy, joyful because of what God, God sees in her. She has an incredible ministry, an incredible opportunity. At her young age, at the beginning of her very ministry with Jesus, she understood not how special she was, but how special her role was. The intimacy that she would share with with little baby Jesus, the Savior of the world, what a blessing that would be. Folks, this is what people call blessed. Those of us that share intimacy with the Savior of the world. Are you sharing intimacy with the Savior of the world? If you are, those around you will look at your life and they will call you blessed, makori, happy, an inner joy that is not known outside of Jesus. That's what people will call you for all generations. What are folks going to call you for all generations? Stressed? Angry, unsatisfied, overworked, burned out. For her, she understood exactly who she was. Here's what I'm calling for us to do as we, as we finish up our time here. Mary, of course, I, I, I call her my hero. She was uh, any 16-year-old kid that allows God to look into her heart, into her soul, and, and still get chosen anyways, and then live the life that she did. She's, she's a hero in the faith for us. But here's the deal, the thing that I think is the key for all of us. As people looked at her life and saw how she loved and shared intimacy with Jesus, that is what marked her now for centuries since her life. What will mark your life? What if this Christmas you decided in your heart from now on, Jesus, my gift to you, happy birthday, is I will be marked by the intimacy that I share with you. That forever my family, my friends, my neighbors, my colleagues, the folks I drive by a little too fast, they will know that I have been with Jesus. And they will call me blessed, not because of who I am, but because of who I have been with. That is our prayer for this Christmas season. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for uh, Mary, but we thank you for the shepherds. In some strange way, we we even thank you for for Herod and what we learned from him. Of course, we thank you for Zechariah and Elizabeth and their baby John. Lord, so many interesting characters in your story. Thank you for sharing your story with us. All that we are able to learn about you because of who you chose to put in that story. Well, here we are 2,000 years later, and we see how you continue to put interesting characters in your story. Lord, we are are them. (laughs) Each one with our own backstory. None of us doing it just right. But God, it is our prayer that our lives would be marked by the intimacy we share with you. That as we head out of here with family and friends and neighbors, wherever we're headed, God, that they would look at us and not see us, but they would see you. And they would know a difference. And they would see a blessedness that only comes from intimacy with God. God, please draw us closer to you every day. And let that closeness shine everywhere we go. We love you, Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus.
0: Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapecoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapecoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.